Lord this morning. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, we are so thankful for all of the things that you do for us. Father, thank you for keeping us safe through the, through the night. Be with us as we enter into our worship time together. May we put aside all of the cares of this world and worship you at this time. Be with us and help us to always do what's right in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First song this morning will be How Great Thou Art, number 76. We'll sing the verses and then the chorus on this. If you would, stand with me as we sing to our God. Number 76. O oh Lord my God, before. 
There is an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the substituting this morning some you say who's that guy but anyway uh, my wife Vicki and I are glad to be back in Boonville we appreciate the elders welcoming us back and I know many of your parents and grandparents you may have grown up a little since uh, 20 years ago when I was here so anyway we're anxious to get to know you and we already love you and we ain't moving again so that's just the way that goes shall we pray our dear heavenly father we're so thankful for this opportunity to gather together and be stronger together we ask you to bless those that are watching online and those that are sick at home those that are in the hospitals and the nursing homes and 
assisted living and there's so much pain and trouble around us in this world. We think about Ukraine and Russia. We think about the conflict now in Israel. We pray for our world leaders and our national leaders and our state leaders and local leaders. And we especially pray for the leadership of this congregation and for every member that will be involved and be excited about being part of this congregation. We are so thankful for the blessings that you have extended to us. We're so thankful for the measure of health that we have and help us to be patient when we struggle in that and in other issues and learn to depend on each other. Be with us now in this worship hour and we pray that all we do will be a glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you would like to mark your hymnal number 948, I Am Resolved will be the uh, invitation song after Brother Ken's lesson, uh, and before his lesson we'll sing someday. If you would, rise with me once again as we sing, sing this song. Someday, someday I will be called up to meet the Lord in the
This morning I'll be reading from Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the work, works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry, rivalry and darkness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or in, and envy, but put, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Good morning, everyone. It's terrific to see you out there. It was terrific to see Doug standing here. We're glad that Doug and Vicki are a part of our congregation. And for those of you who don't know, he used to be the pulpit minister here. And so I'm sure it was quite a moment to stand here and look out at this audience of people. Shocking, I know, uh, but I'm sure it was a moving moment for him. And we're just thrilled to have them here today. Hey, one of the mysteries in my life has been solved. One of the mysteries. And that's this one. You recognize it from there? This is the original mic with the switch on top that went missing about a month ago. But we had some little sleuths find it this past week. So thank you to Thomas and Ross for sniffing this thing out. Oh, it's just, it's wonderful to have it back. But there's a new thing on it. That other mic is typically used for song leaders. This one now has a sticker on it that says, preach. Love it. If only I had an exclamation point after just preach. So that's what I intend to do. And thank you again for finding the mic. Uh, for one thing, I'm sure there are a lot of you still thought, I lost this mic. So I feel vindicated. A second thing, a little more serious. Milton Floyd gave me this note. We want to pray for someone. Dylan Dowdy. Uh, he is having some severe health problems right now. And so the family has requested that we as a congregation pray for him. His mother is Frances Hutchinson. So we're going to pray for Dylan. We're also going to pray that God will bless us today whew, as we are all challenged. Someone said, wow, Ken, you preach to me. And the fact is that the first person that I preach to is me. So most likely, whatever it is that you are going through when God speaks to you today are things that I've already been through. So I know what's coming. And it's already touched me. And I'm hoping that God's word will find its place in your heart today too. I hope that all of us will realize that right now is the time. It is high time. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you so much for the first day of the week. Thank you for what that means to us. Time to gather, 
to remember the death of Jesus and to participate in all these acts of worship, many of which we've already been participating in and joining ourselves together in spirit. What a joy it is to blend our voices and honor you and lift you up and to come before you as a body in prayer. And now, Father, we are all going to be meditating on a portion of your word, a very challenging scripture that reminds us that it's high time for us to wake from the night, to begin to walk in the day and to put the Lord on. Lord, please motivate us today to make obvious changes. If there's some who need to do that in a public way, I pray you'll give them the courage to ask for help, to ask for forgiveness. I pray, Lord, today will be the day that we wake up. Lord, we pray for our sick, and some are back, and we rejoice in that. Think about Milton's request today for Dylan Dowdy. We pray, Father, whatever the health issues are, that they can be resolved and that he will be better. And thank you, Lord, for what you will accomplish in the life of Dylan. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and strengthen us today in your word. Help me to communicate but not to stand in the way of the power of your word. I pray, Lord, that those who hear your message today will take advantage of what it's offering and that you will will wake all of us up. Thank you for the power of your word and what it will accomplish today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul is pretty blunt here in the opening of this text and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. He says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We're supposed to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Not to be those persons who remain in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy, but we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. It's that last part right there that always catches us, I'm afraid. Somehow, some way, despite the commitment that we made to the Lord, actually making provision for the flesh in our lives. I know you can't do it, but if there were a way that we knew for sure when the Lord was going to return, let's say we knew for a fact somehow that the Lord was going to return next week. What would you do between now and then? Would you make some changes? Would you 
Remain steady in how your life is now. And then as we neared the date and the time, maybe then you would start to shape things up and get ready for the imminent return of the Lord. What if, and we've all heard sermons about the judgment itself and we've imagined in our minds what might be the terror of revisiting some of our actions of the past. You know those moments that still pop up in our minds that antagonize us, even if we were forgiven of those things and we were repentant We changed our life, yet the memory of sin passed. We are so afraid, terrified, that maybe that thing will creep up. If tomorrow were the day of judgment, what would you do today in anticipation of that? Maybe having that raw fear, that pit in the stomach in remembrance of sin and Maybe even the uncertainty as to whether or not that was forgiven. If you knew that the Lord were going to be judging you tomorrow, what would you do today in preparation for that? It might be you wouldn't do anything. Ken, I'm good. Okay, great. But are you good? Would you be ready for the Lord's return tomorrow? Our text says now... Right here in this moment, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I really related with that statement because I remember when I was immersed in the water, baptized to have my sins forgiven. I came walking down that aisle, I was sobbing because the reality of my sin, it was, as David said, ever before me. And so to have the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus wash those sins away, man, I come out of that water, I was ready to convert the world. I remember that was a long, long time ago. And since then, there have been moments when I would just pray like John did. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm just so ready for the Lord to return. And in this text, he says, right now, right now, your salvation is nearer than it's ever been. I rejoice in that. I think about what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. But that last time that he's referring to right there is nearer now than it has ever been. When our children were very young, we took them to Disney World. And I remember we got on that highway that leads directly to the complex. And there was a sign that said to tune in to a certain station and we would 
hits. And sure enough, we tuned into that. And it was me and Goofy and all of those characters that we were going to see at Disney World who were coming on there and talking about what it was going to be like when we finally got to Disney World. And man, I don't remember how far the distance was, but it was like nothing that we were finally there. All of those updates and the exciting talk about what would be just thrilled our hearts. Well, this text is just like that. That place, that heavenly abode that we are striving for, it, it's there waiting for us. It's just there. And now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many ever years it's been, all that's passed. There's only this short time between now and the realization of all those things that we hoped and longed for. Can't wait. But right here in this text, there's a warning. And you feel it, don't you? It may be that there are some of us, maybe the majority of us, who are so anticipating between now and that time that we have our heavenly home that the time will be as nothing, but there are also others who are afraid as the time is approaching. Yeah, it's nearer. But Paul says some folks, they need to wake up because it is high time I remember my grandmother using language like that. When we would be dilatory, lagging, not getting the work done, or not, not at meal on time, she would say, it's high time that you got in gear, Kenny. It's high time. In other words, you've been wasting your opportunities, and now you have come to the last possible moment it is high time to wake up out of the night, to wake up out of your sleep. He tells them that they are to cast off the works of darkness, works of darkness, sinful living. Cast off the sinful living that has taken place in your life. You, you, you're a child of God, right? It is high time you start acting like the child of God, the Christian that you present yourself to be. It is time to cast off the works of darkness. In John chapter 12 and verse 35, Jesus said that those who walk in darkness do not know where they are going. That makes sense, right? You've done that. You go out into the night and maybe you get away from the house where it's well lighted and all of a sudden you wish you had a flashlight. If I had some way to, to be able to see ahead of myself. That's the picture here. You have taken on evil works and now you're in the midst of darkness and Jesus says, in that darkness, as much maybe as you yearn to find the way, you are lost because you cannot see. You need to cast that darkness off. You don't know where you're going. All the ways we justify where we are, when in reality there is a simple explanation for where we are. We're in darkness. 
we can't really see. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, Paul there says to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And there the idea is you don't have fellowship with what is in darkness because you're supposed to be light. So if you are the light, then illuminate what is in the darkness. But here from the perspective in Romans 13, doesn't seem to be that way. It seems to be that there are some folks in the midst of the darkness right now. He said, cast that off. It's high time to cast those things off. It's high time to walk and awaken from your sleep. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The disposition of the child of God walking in the footsteps of Jesus, the ultimate light, just reflecting the light of Jesus ought to be that we are ready, that we are prepared for whenever that transition is from this life to eternal life, from, from the pain and the suffering, even the temptation that exists in this life to be transformed into that place where we have an inheritance that's waiting for us, that's incorruptible, undefiled, and doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven. He says, you don't know when the Lord is going to come. So it's really a good thing that you have this, this heart that says, I'm ready. But, but are you ready? From this perspective of Paul here in Romans 13, seems like they were not so much. So wake up out of your sleep and put on the armor of light. In Ephesians 6, Paul says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand... Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We are all in this together, so let's all in this battle for the Lord and the battle for our very souls put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of light. Why would anybody have to be told to do that? Isn't that our natural inclination? To put on, as the song 
says the panoply of God? Don't we know that if we don't put that armor on that we are putting ourselves out there in a battle that is waging and there will just be, at least in our respect, carnage. If we have not put on the defensive materials that God has made available to us, then we are easily susceptible to the wiles of the devil. How in the world are we going to resist his temptations and his assaults on us continually if we're not putting on that armor? He calls it of light. Oftentimes the idea of light is just simply knowledge. Don't we know better? We ought to know better. We are supposed to wake up because it's high time to walk in the daytime. So we're in darkness, okay? Messed up. I I knew the light. I came to the truth. I was back in the light of God, but I slipped and I slipped into the darkness. I need to get out of there and get back to walking in the daytime. He says to walk properly in the day. Walk the right way. Not justifying myself maybe in my sin, but walking in the way that the Lord has outlined for me to walk. Not in revelry and drunkenness. You know, the the partying life. Drinking too much. Becoming drunk. Losing our mind with alcohol and drugs and whatever it is that takes our mind away from us and all of the ensuing actions that are a result of just, just losing control by our own choice. I love the contrast that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. He says, And let us not be drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now notice the contrast. Don't be that person who is drunk with wine. Don't don't fall into that pattern of revelry and drunkenness, of losing your mind to alcohol and drugs. Don't do that. If you want to lose your mind, lose your mind in the Spirit. Lose your mind in the things of God. Let let your preconceptions or, or your inclinations be lost into the conceptions and the inclinations of God. Let God lead you. What a destructive thing are intoxicating materials to the human mind. So much so that there is this warning. It's it's going to create the darkness wherein there is no light. He says, you've got to step out of that. It's high time to get out of that and to seek the light by eschewing those evils. Lewdness and lust. A whole different category. I love how he breaks this thing down. Now we've gone from the idea of the intoxicated mind to the intoxicated body. Look, I, I see animals out here. 
animals have no shame, especially dogs. Dogs will do anything and everything in public and think nothing of it. We might even be embarrassed by what we see, but dog doesn't care. Doesn't care at all. He's just satisfying his natural lusts. <laughs> you know what you are not? You are not a dog. That means that you ought to have just as much as you ought to have control over your mind, you ought to have control over your body. He is specifically identifying those lures within the category of sex, sexual enticement. Some people have got the mindset that if I am sexually enticed, I can just do whatever I want to. Or I can justify it because it's an urge that's been put within me. Let me say it again. You are not an animal. You are not a dog. You are governed by morality that God has set within each of us. We know when a thing is wrong, even if we've never been instructed so. It just, we just have a sense about those things. But God has said so. And within the category of lewdness and lust, he says, that is in darkness. And we need to turn from it. Ken, what, why? You know, what, what's the problem? I think of texts like, and there are many like it, but one is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor drunkards, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Wait, what? He said, don't you know this? Now, they would have known it because they'd been instructed, but he could have said that to the marketplace if he had wanted to. Don't you know that these things are wrong? Most everybody knows it. Even if they haven't got the high morality that a Christian would have, they just have a sense that these things are wrong. They are in darkness. And he says, if you are in the pursuit of those things, if that is you, know heaven. Now, the hopeful thing of this passage is, he says, and such were, that's past tense, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Funny how the Spirit comes up again. It was transforming us to great things as opposed to darkness earlier, and now it's doing it again. If we would just simply submit ourselves to the instruction of the Lord, then we wouldn't be acting like a bunch of animals out there not caring with whom or where or how much or who it hurts. And then he adds another category. It seems totally different from the others. Strife and envy. And right there is where we lose our minds in the church. Sure enough where we're supposed to be one and all together and encouraging and building one another up, we just become envious or jealous and we do our best to undermine one another. What? Seriously? If that were true, then the category he's putting that in is darkness. If I am working against what is the good and the light of the church, then I am ministering in darkness. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, 
Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, let me just boil that down. I'll just tell you right here. Here's a guy standing before you who wants to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven more than anything. But Paul says, you know how much you want to. Why don't you have that same attitude about everybody else, your brothers and sisters? And so that's what I've subscribed myself to do. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do constantly. I'm trying so hard to create an environment here where all of us can go to Who wants to go to heaven? Me too. Let's go, okay? Let's do this. Let's listen to what the Lord has to say with regard to these issues that exist. It, it could be our mind where we're giving it over to a substance. It could be our body where we're using it just to satisfy its passions. It could be that we are becoming destructive and divisive in the church. But Paul says, don't do that. Wake up. It is high time to wake up and to do differently. To walk in the day. Thing is, right here, we know better than that, don't we? We do. We know better than to get mixed up in alcohol and drugs. We know that. We know better than to sell our bodies in the pursuit of sexual satisfaction. The pain that causes, we know better than that. We know better than to do anything that's divisive in the body of Jesus Christ. So, wouldn't you say... It is high time that we walk in the day. It's high time. And it's high time that we put on the Lord. Put on the Lord. I'm going to tell you that an inherent struggle. We talk about the battle between evil and good. And I tried to outline that as we talked about light and darkness and, and all of that. Those things are absolutely true. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul just lays it out there. He says that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You're like, Ken, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do know better, but I just don't do better. Why? Well, right there, that text, you you know, I feel exactly what Paul's talking about right there, that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's just that, you know, my my spirit's willing, but my flesh is so weak. And it just, it happens over and over. That text right there is not an endorsement. That text is just an open acceptance of the reality of the problem that exists. And yes, generally speaking, the flesh is weak. And yes, generally speaking, the spirit 
is, or the flesh is strong and the spirit is weak. And yeah, many times that flesh, generally speaking, overwhelms the desire of the spirit and we sin. That would be true generally for most folks. But the thing is, we are not supposed to be most folks. That may be how it used to be. But you and I are children of God right now. We've made a different sort of commitment. And it isn't just the empowerment by our own spirit, which could easily be defeated. That's seen in an entire world of those who've turned their backs on God. They have their own spirit. They're just choosing to do differently. What we have done as we have submitted ourselves, Lord, remember Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Listen now. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Literally, the faith. In the sense that I've learned better as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I do better, not because of some inherent goodness in my own spirit, but because of the spirit of Christ that dwells in me. And so if I'm living in darkness still, what kind of testimony is that to the Lord of Christ living in me? Wow, look at what Christ is doing in so-and-so as they're over there in the ditch drunk, vomiting all over themselves. Uh, what is the evidence there? I, I see them. They're just kind of laying around with whoever they can shack up with. What in the world? Is that a testimony of Jesus living in me? What about the divisive nature of some within the body of Christ? Does Jesus consume his own body? I tell you, no. And I'm telling you that darkness has crept into the spirit of so many. And I'm going to say that Jesus is not sharing with darkness. Either we are filled with the Spirit of Christ or we have somehow, some way, rooted Jesus out and allowed evil and darkness to take his place. And then we just go along in our life justifying our actions. What on earth can I do about that? Well, number one, he said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, for the uninitiated says that baptism is what puts us into Jesus Christ. But for those who are supposed to be Christ-like, who have had the change occur, he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, now that's staying in the light, right? Not going off in the darkness, not selling ourselves short, not lewdness and lust, not strife and envy, not any of those things, revelry and drunkenness, not that. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we're with him. And none of those things are with him. That's darkness. We're in light. That if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, literally continues to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's where we are right now. You say, Ken, well, you know, oh boy, 
Okay, so maybe, maybe somehow my actions have rooted Jesus out. Or I'm in the process of rooting Jesus out. I'm frustrating the Spirit of God. Okay, let's stop. Let's have a reality check right here. Whatever it is that's going on doesn't have to continue that way, does it? Do I just have to give up and say, this is how it's going to be? I don't know. Lord's probably not going to return for a while, so I'll get my act together someday. But when? Why not now? Why not in recognition that I have slipped into darkness or I'm participating in those things that represent what darkness is? Maybe the life that I'm living now does not reflect Christ living in me. If that is my reality, then why don't I change that now? Why don't I change that? Because we are nearer our salvation now than when we first believed. Here's, here's the thing. Eternity, the transition from this life to the next, is fast approaching. Life on earth is very, very short. Your life literally is one breath, one heartbeat away from ending. And then you're going to enter into eternity. And then you're going to face the judge of all the earth. You're going to answer. Will he see you in light? Or will he see you in darkness? It only takes a step now to change an eternity of steps later. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, either in obedience to the gospel or in prayer, repentance, confession of sin, restoration to the body of Christ, anticipating again what you did when you broke those waters the first time, going to heaven. Anybody want to go to heaven? Why don't you respond now while we stand together and sing? I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are lower, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him, hasten to
you at this time. First, like to read from Luke chapter 22, verses 17 through 20. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this bread we have before us, and thank you for its meaning that it has, and for Christ's body that he gave on that cruel death on the cross for sinners like us, Lord, that 
we may have a chance for home in heaven one day. And I ask this, we may partake of it in a manner as pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. you bow with me Lord we also thank you for the cup that we have here before us and for what it represents Christ's blood that he also shed on that death on the cross and just help us never to take this opportunity for granted and, and never forget his meaning what it means for Christians like us Lord and help us also just take it in a way that's pleasing unto thee Christ's name we pray amen please. Kind of most gracious heaven, Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for all the meaningful life and wonderful blessings. We want to thank you for the opportunities that we have to go out and earn a living. And pray now, Father, will we give it back a portion that you have so richly blessed us with, freely and without begrudgingly. These blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Need your patience this morning. If you don't mind, we have, we have several announcements we need to make before we close, so I hope I'll have that patience. Well, I know I do. I know I do. A couple of, couple of things before we get started. If you're a visitor here, of course, we want you to know how honored we are that you're here. Thanks for being here with us, and, uh, and we hope you'll stick around and let us get to greet you and meet you. Also, I think we had around 317 this morning in our services here. 
I, I feel obligated to say this, and I think the elders would agree uh, for me saying this, and I think I'll speak not necessarily for them, but I think we would all agree. Do not forget the Lord's invitation is always open. And Ken, thank you for challenging us today. And if there's anybody here that, that as they reflect on the lesson this morning and God's word specifically, um, and you need prayers or need support, just let us know. Also, we've been talking about how there's so many people online who don't necessarily get to hear the announcements or potentially get the bulletins. So, you know, be, be patient with us as we kind of go through some of these announcements. We want everybody to get a chance to hear what's going on. So, of course, we have the Landmark Nursing Home today at 4. Wayne Berry will be here tonight. Really excited about that, so hope you'll join. Uh, be back to hear all that he has uh, to report to us. Uh, and all the adult classes will meet in the auditorium tonight. The other classes will meet as, nor as normal, but the adult classes will meet tonight. Panama Missions Operation Christmas Joy is due tonight. We're also excited about FHU Corral coming to be with us Sunday, October the 22nd. Uh, so there'll be more information about that, but there's a lot in your bulletin. Uh, if you want to read about that, uh, we'll be having a big visit, uh, potluck uh, that night, and, and uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to them being with us on Sunday, October the 22nd on the evening services. Golden Circle has a lot of things going on. Of course, they have their luncheon this Tuesday at 1130 in the Annex. I hesitate to say this next one because my daughter will want to go now, but the Golden Circle is going to uh, the Bluegrass Festival this coming Saturday, October the 14th, and Joe Garrett's band will be playing there. Now, Davis will probably want to go, Joe, because she loves you that much. Um, you'll read some instructions there. They'll be leaving. Um, man, it looks like a full day. It'll be $10. Uh, they'll leave the annex at noon. Um, they'll be eating and uh, trying to return around 8.30. And then also the Golden Circle will be going to Kentucky and Tennessee, and those dues are, are the, the cost and the payments of that is due now to Jim Estes. Trunker Street is getting close. Sign up if you'll help. We also have a Devo tonight. This is not in your bulletin. Um, Devo tonight, Drew, Drew and Katie Bruce will be hosting. It'll be in the Grove. Uh, they'll have the main course, but girls, if you'll bring desserts, and boys, if you'll bring drinks, canned drinks, that'd be appreciated. And then the area-wide, I want to announce that for next week. Um, and the one reason why I want to announce that is because, number one, we'll be going. But number two, because Bo Gross will be speaking at IUCA uh, that night. And so, of course, we're going to go and support him as well. Please don't forget the sick. Don't forget to add Dylan Dowdy. And then I also have a note here. Prayers are for Frances Hodgins' family. She passed away yesterday. Um, she's the mother of Billy uh, and Brenda Dawson's son-in-law. So please be in prayers for Francis Hodgins' family. And there's several more that we need to be praying for. Here's the other reason why I need your patience. I got one more, couple more big announcements here. The elders and I are so excited about what I'm about to announce. We are blessed here at Boonville with so many talented individuals who are willing and ready to serve God, his church, and our congregation. We also have the best group of young people anywhere, and I know that I'm a little biased on that. 
That is why I'm excited with this announcement because I get to talk about both of these subjects. The first announcement is in regards to our youth minister search. Everyone knows that we've been without a youth minister for several months now. And you, the congregation and the parents have stepped up to serve our youth and have filled the big shoes that Jordan wore for so long. The eldership has been so pleased with what all of you have been able to do. And quite frankly, we don't want that to change. We feel it is good and right to have our families and the congregation being an integral part of what our youth program, of our youth, the program and its activities. With that said, we are excited to announce that Drew Bruce will take on the responsibility of being our youth coordinator. We all know Drew. We know how much he loves God and our young people and how much he loves serving others. He and Katie will do an amazing job with our youth. But I want you to note, he is called a youth coordinator on purpose because that is, that is exactly what we're asking him to do for our congregation. We want him to coordinate you to minister to our youth. He will work closely with Brandon Elliott who, by the way, is preaching at Hills Chapel this morning, I think. And he, he's the deacon over the youth. And we know these two men and their families will do an outstanding job serving, leading, and supporting the spiritual growth of our young people. To say, to go on with that, though, to support the youth and you and Drew and Brandon during the busy summer months, we are going to look at pursuing, or we are pursuing, to hiring an intern we think this will not only help our congregation, but if you know anything about youth ministry as a whole, you will understand the need of its growth too. So we feel it'll be good for our brotherhood to support that. My last announcement is in regards to last leaders. We are so pleased to tell you that Jonathan Farr will be taking over and leading our lads program. I told you earlier that we are so fortunate to have so many spiritual leaders here at Boonville, and Jonathan is one of them. There's not many people who can say they have been a part of lads and have led lads and other groups of lads longer than I have, but Jonathan's one of them. We know how much he loves lads, and we know how much he loves our young people, so it makes sense that he will take over that program and take it to another level. As always... We, the elders, appreciate your support. The Boonville congregation is continuing to move forward, and we think these changes will support our desire to serve the Lord and grow his kingdom. If you have any questions about anything that I've said, of course, you're, of course ask us. So proud of Drew, so thankful for him, so thankful for Brandon, so thankful for Jonathan, and I know they'll be thankful for your support. Thank you for your patience this morning and allowing us to have those announcements. If you don't mind, I'll close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we now close this time together and, of course, want to give you all the glory and praise. We thank you for how you've blessed this congregation. And, Father, we just continue to ask you to bless us. We ask you to have your hands over us as we leave this place today. Help us walk in the light and shed all darkness that we may have. 
We thank you so much, and we love you, and we're so thankful for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.